Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about what can you do if you have an interest only term that's expiring. You see, most mortgages uh, have a 30 year loan term. And investment interest-only loans are split into two parts. The first part is a five-year term where you only have to pay the interest in respect to the loan and not any principal repayments. And then the remaining 25 years is principal interest. So naturally, on the expiry of the interest-only term, the loan will automatically convert to principal and interest and you'll get a letter from your bank telling you that that's the case. Uh, in the past, when I say in the past, in the last 18 odd years, uh, it was pretty simple. When an investor came towards the end of their interest only term, they would complete a one page form and the bank would roll it over and you'd have another interest only term. Well, that changed or has changed over the last couple of years. And really, um, in early 2017, the government became concerned because 40% of all new mortgages were set up as interest only, and the government thought that was too high. So APRA introduced a, um, a target that the banks needed to reduce that down to 30%, so that is less than 30% of all new loans are interest only. Um, the banks achieved that target by mid-2018, uh, and currently only about 20%, so half the amount of new mortgages are set up as interest only. As such, late last year, December 18, uh, APRA removed the benchmark. Now, the banks dissuaded borrowers away from interest only loans by doing a few different things. Uh, firstly, they increased variable rates. And until recently, uh, investment loans that were on an interest only basis were about 0.4% higher. Uh, that's contracted now, uh, given the, the most recent October RBA rate cut. Uh, the banks passed on more of a discount uh, to interest-only borrowers than they did to principal interest borrowers. So the, the average gap uh, among the top five uh, lenders is 0.34% uh, now. So there's a, there's a premium. Uh, the banks made it a lot more difficult to roll over onto a new interest-only term. In fact, they made it very difficult. Uh, they all reduced their interest-only terms to five years or less. Uh, so previously, a lot of lenders would offer 10-year interest-only terms uh, and even some up to 15 years. Uh, and uh, lenders tightened uh, credit parameters. So they, they really um, became uh, anti-offering interest-only loans to own occupiers. Um, they would only offer it to investors. So they, they did those four things uh, just to dissuade people away from interest only. And as you can see, or as the stats tell us, uh, only uh, about you know half the volume of interest only loans now exist. Um, however, over the last uh, few months, the, the you see a little bit of loosening. Um, so a couple of things have changed. Uh, some lenders, some big four lenders now, allowing 10-year interest-only terms again. So it gives you a little bit more certainty on what your repayments will be over that period of time. Uh, and also, uh, some lenders have relaxed uh, the the requirements if you want to roll over onto a new interest-only term. Most lenders only allow you to do that once. So that is two consecutive five-year interest-only terms. Then they're reluctant to give you another one. Um, you might be thinking, do interest-only loans still make sense, particularly in light of the higher interest rates? Well, I think they do. They certainly increase your flexibility. 
Um, just because a minimum repayment is equal to the, just the interest in respect uh, to that month, uh, it doesn't mean that's all you can repay. Uh, of course, you can make irregular or regular principal repayments anytime, obviously, if you're on a variable interest rate. Uh, and of course, you can attach an, an offset account uh, to that loan to kind of make notional repayments, or at least your savings are, are offsetting the loan as well. So it kind of gives you the best of both worlds. You know, you set your repayment amount at the lowest amount, but then you've got the flexibility to do what you want to do uh, with your cash flow over that term of that loan. Uh, investors obviously are particularly attracted to interest-only loans uh, for a couple of different reasons. Firstly, uh, it allows them to direct all their cash flow into reducing their non-deductible debt, so their home loan. Uh, and secondly, it reduces the monthly cash flow cost of the investment, uh, which means that uh, they've got greater capacity to invest more sooner or service higher debt levels. Uh, in addition, um, the, the other benefit of interest-only is that the repayment, the interest only repayment is directly linked to your net balance. So as your balance comes down, goes down, so does the repayment. Whereas with principal interest uh, loans, the repayment, the dollar value of the repayment is fixed. It's just the components of that fixed amount, you know, how much is interest, how much is principal, that change in line with the balance. Uh, so therefore, if you had a principal interest loan and then you paid off, you know, 80% of it, it really doesn't impact your cash flow at all. I mean, it impacts the amount of interest you get charged, but not your cash flow because the dollar value of the repayment is fixed. Um, so am I suggesting that you never repay, you know, you set up everything as interest only and never repay uh, your debt? No, of course not. And in fact, I did a podcast just recently on debt repayment strategies and that you need to factor that into your overall investment strategy. Um, one factor that you can uh, or you might like to consider is that inflation will naturally eat away at your loan balance over time. So, you know, today most people would consider a million-dollar mortgage as a relatively big loan. In lots of people's minds, that's a pretty sizable loan and, and wouldn't be taken lightly. However, if you take into, take into account inflation, uh, the inflation rate over the past 40 years, $1 million in today's dollars was equivalent to really $205,000 40 years ago. So, you know, if you took out a loan in 1979 um, and you were borrowing 200 odd thousand at that point, that's equivalent to borrowing a million dollars today. Uh, so I think we'd all probably agree that a $200,000 mortgage isn't that big a deal. A million dollar mortgage seems pretty big in, in our numbers today. Uh, so by the same token, a million dollar mortgage in 40 years' time won't really be... Uh, that bigger deal. Now, I'm not saying or I'm not saying this to suggest that you don't need to worry about your debt levels. Of course, you've got to be prudent with your borrowing limits and your interest rate sensitivity and and those sorts of things. But my point is that inflation expectations is actually a component of your interest rate. So that essentially means you're paying for the inflation cost each year out of your interest rate, out of the loan, part of the interest, and the real value of your debt is therefore reducing. So you know. Um, property has always seemed expensive. There's never been a time that I can remember that I think, wow, tr property's cheap this year. It's, it just doesn't happen. It's always expensive. It will always seem expensive. The loans that we have to go and get to, to borrow to invest in property will always seem big loans. Um, uh, but the point is in 10, 20, 30, 40 years time, the loans will look tiny because inflation has eaten away at the balance. Okay, so let's get to it. You've got really three options uh, 
if you've got an interest-only loan uh, that's coming up to maturity. The first one is um, we can ask your bank uh, to roll over onto another interest-only term. And as I said previously, um, if you uh, haven't yet done that, so you've just come to the end of the first interest-only term since the loan was set up, uh, then they're probably likely to be happy to do that. And you don't necessarily, with most lenders, or at least some lenders, need to go through a full application process. It's just a one-page form, and it's done. It's relatively easy. Uh, now, the second option, if and the second option is relevant, if you're, particularly if your existing lender doesn't want to give you another interest-only term, uh, your second option is to refinance to another lender. And essentially what that allows you to do is kind of rewrite the mortgage and reset all the terms, of course, you need to go through a full application process, which can be an arduous and time-consuming process. Uh, but, you know, it's just the cost of doing business, particularly as investors. Uh, we've got to go through these things and it's and finance or investing is really a bit of a, a game of money, if you like. Uh, you know, it's about making sure that you can use other people's money wisely, that is the banks, uh, to really fund your asset base. Uh, and the last option, of course, is just to let it flick over to uh, principal and interest. Um, you might want to have a review of your interest rate discount if it does that as well. Uh, see if you can get a higher interest rate discount. Uh, the good thing is that to some degree, the, the falling interest rate environment has done a lot of the hard work to reduce principal interest repayments. So, for example, on a half a million dollar loan, uh, P&I repayments would be about $2,640 a month, uh, whereas uh, interest-only repayments uh, would only be eighteen seventy-five. dollars uh, So there's a, a bit of a gap there. But again, five years ago, interest-only repayments, uh, when interest rates were um, 6%, would have been two and a half grand. So six years ago, interest only, you're paying two and a half grand. Today, if it flicks over to principal interest, you're paying 2640 really only $140 extra per month. So the falling interest rates has done a lot of work in terms of reducing the cash flow impact uh, of uh, it rolling over to principal and interest. Uh, of course, that uh, you shouldn't get lured into the false sense of this low interest rate environment and, um, and you need to consider the impact on your cash flow uh, as and when uh, interest rates uh, rise, as they will invariably do at some point uh, in the future. Uh, one option to avoid uh, needing to deal with these interest-only expiry terms is to use lines of credit. A line of credit isn't a term loan, so it doesn't have a loan term, which means it's called it's what's called an evergreen facility. Uh, and that means that it's always interest only, much like a credit card. You know, a credit card doesn't have a loan term. Uh, the credit limit sits there. You maintain it within its limits. It's all fine. Uh, but uh, lines of credit do attract higher interest rates. Between uh, half a percent and 0.7 of 1% are higher in terms of compared to their standard interest only counterparts. Um, one final thought I'll leave with you is that debt repayment is a less attractive strategy in a low interest rate environment. And let's think about it. If your uh, investment interest rate is about 4%, which after the most recent rounds of cuts it, it will be, uh, the after-tax cost of that debt is probably less than 2.5%. Than so that's all you're really saving is 2.5%. Now, I would suggest pretty confidently that you could expect significantly more, maybe three, four times more uh, returns if you if you put that cash flow in other investments. 
Now, of course, interest rates will eventually rise, and so in the long term, uh, the the benefits of debt reduction are probably still present. Uh, my point is, just over this next period of time, let's call it the next five years, if we both agree that interest rates will be lower than average for that period of time, uh, then over the next five years, uh, there's a, a greater opportunity cost, I guess, of debt reduction, and that is being locked into principal interest repayments. Uh, so there you go. There are your options. Uh, if you need to uh, need any help in sort of working through your options and getting some advice, don't hesitate ever to reach out to one of my team. Thanks a lot. And as I'm currently on a break, uh, my next podcast won't be for a couple of weeks. Cheers. Bye for now.